Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Hi, Dr. Jennifer here. I wanted to talk to you a moment about my Art of Desire course. This course was designed to give women a new and powerful way to think about desire, sexuality, and what it means to be a strong woman. The principles taught in this course will help you bring more courage, open-heartedness, and confidence to every aspect of your life. You can learn more about this and my other courses by clicking on the link in the show notes. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. When we fail at our habits, we find ourselves shaming and blaming ourselves, but women often miss the important fact that we must do habits differently. And it's not because we're weak, it's because we're not robots. To learn why, check out my free class, The Number One Reason Why Women Must Do Habits Differently at aboutprogress.com slash habit class. If I were to ask you to define this phrase, self-expansion, what would you say? This came up for me in late 2021 when I recorded an interview with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife and her sister, Carolyn Bever. We were there to actually discuss parenting, but Jennifer said something about self-expansion that immediately set off this whole host of internal fireworks. I'm going to play that part for you right here. So she started talking to him where he was and then pushing him just beyond his capacity, which is just a brilliant teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, that you map to who the person is, what are they able to do? And then you you push them to expand themselves because when we expand ourselves, we feel good. You know, happiness in marriage is very much linked to self-expansion within that marriage. If you constrict yourself to keep the marriage together, you will be miserable in the marriage. You don't want to push people too far because then they go into kind of this sense of failure and insufficiency, but an an ideal teacher is tracking what is needed and pushes just into the point of discomfort you know, you're out of your league, you're uncomfortable, but it's not over your head. It's the beginning of a new year. So self-help is not foreign to any of us. <laughs> but what about self-expansion? The kind that is less concerned about meeting certain metrics of goal thinking, even though you know I love a good goal. But the kind that's more concerned about deepening and broadening our sense of self. And what about this biggest fear I see come up in women who are ready for the latter? The fear that an expansion of self can only come at the sacrifice of others in your life. A lot of women I know have this fear that if they grow, then others have to suffer. I invited Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife to come in and talk about it all. What self-expansion is and how It not only doesn't come at the expense of your relationships, but it supports them in addition to any other area of your life that you want to improve and how to get started on self-expansion. 
Dr. Jennifer Finlayson-Fife is a highly revered psychotherapist and coach who helps marriages and families thrive, especially in their sex life. Now, we've recorded, I think, around 10 other episodes with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson-Fife, and they're all like my children, and it's really hard for me to like choose. But this one you're about to hear, I think it might be my favorite. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson-Fife, thanks for coming back on About Progress. Yeah, thanks for having me, Monica. Definitely our most returned guest, but also our most highly favored. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm always happy to have you here, especially to kick off the new year when a lot of people are feeling this high energy buzz of wanting to be better. Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of ride that wave a little bit, but Mm -hmm. maybe in a different direction than they're expecting, because Mm -hmm. it's less about us trying to help them meet certain metrics or prescriptions of what it means to be a good person in 2023 Mm. and more about this bigger picture idea of Mm self-expansion. I would like to start by setting this up though, that you primarily work with couples, like you work Mm -hmm. with within marriage therapy and sex therapy, but it's so curious to me and all the work that I get to listen in on with Mm -hmm. your podcasts and, and, and taking your courses too, is that you do a surprising amount of work with individuals <laughs> yeah. like bettering themselves. So let's start there about why in your experience professionally and even personally, why in order to improve all areas of life, including relationships, people have to start with themselves. Well, the, the way I tend to think about it is that couples work is a good elicitation window on the individual. So First of all, when I used to do work one-on-one with people, I would hear their story about who they were, Mm -hmm. which was always distorted by our own. I mean, this would be true for me too. If I were to, it's always distorted by our own narrative about ourselves, not necessarily what we do. And there's often a disconnect between what we do and what we tell ourselves about what we do. Yeah, And you often can't see that as a helper unless you can see this person in relationship with others. So even if my goal were only to help individuals, it's a great way to do it because you see more about who the individual actually is and where their liabilities and vulnerabilities are in their relationship to themselves. Hmm. So that is what we do in relationship is often a function of how we're in relationship to ourselves. And so it both shows you where the person is limited. Like, why won't you validate me, spouse? Why won't you make me feel good about me? And we're looking outside of ourselves to answer a question that best is addressed within ourselves. Hmm. So there's that reason, but also because as you come into a more peaceful relationship with yourself, you're more able to create an intimate, loving relationship. So if you are not at peace with yourself, you don't really want to let someone in on who you are. You want them to reinforce you, perhaps. You want them to give you the things that you desire in your life, but you don't really want them to know you and to know them. Because knowing them is also deeply inconvenient (laughs) if you have your own agenda (laughs) about how the marriage should go or how your life should go. So the more we come to accept ourselves in a very honest way, um, and I can talk more about what I mean by that, the more room you have to accept another person. 
the more room you have to care about them, not as a function of reinforcing you, but just as a function of caring about another being who is similar to you in the sense of being vulnerable and flawed. This whole topic was inspired by, you know, just a small thing you brought up in an interview we did with you and your sister, Carolyn, on parenting, our perfectionist children and and trying to parent them outside of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. You said something that has stuck with me about self-expansion. It was just those two words put Mm -hmm. together that I was like, whoa, I want to know way more about that. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear about what you think self-expansion is and how does it work also in relation to starting with acceptance? Because that's a whole other, mm, yeah, I'm sure, part of it. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So self-expansion, human beings, we want to grow. In fact, I read a quote recently um, that I probably will include in a book that I'm working on, which is something like yeah. sin is sin is the refusal to grow. And that is that as organisms, we want to develop, we want to create, we want to learn. And so we have this inner drive to expand. You see it in children, like they're just, you know, seeking to understand the world that they're, that they're in and understanding themselves and doing that. The people that are most happy and most happy in a marriage have experienced self-expansion within the marriage, within the relationship, that they are able to grow into people that they like. They're able to conquer new things, learn new things. The people that are the least happy feel a sense of constriction, that they have to be what keeps their spouse happy, or they have shut down their life to keep a kind of false stability so much that they feel resentful and unhappy. So you know, I do this podcast called Room for Two because, you know, the double entendre in it is that the happiest couples have made room for two people to thrive in marriage. And this is something that we deeply desire as human beings. So it's it's, it's innate to our makeup mm-hmm. and a part of our own and happiness with every other area in our life that we like to point the finger to to blame. Mm-hmm. can often be really connected to just this lack of expansion. Yes. Right. That's right. And we can be complicit in our non-expansion, right? For sure. So it's mm-hmm. not just other people doing it to us because it's uncomfortable to grow and it's uncomfortable to move out of the stasis. So while we want to grow, we also like stability. We like security. Mm-hmm. We like predictability. So we're always in this tension between things that we desire. And if we don't tolerate that tension and choose wisely within it, we struggle to be happy. So we want to expand, but we also want stability. And both are legitimate parts of the human experience and desire. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of why um, most of our listeners are women, but women are holding themselves back from self-expansion is because they think it must come at a cost to that stability right. and yes. that connection to others. And you're not only That's saying right. the opposite is true, but both are like in dance with each other. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And a lot of times women have been given the message that they're the responsible for the stability part for home. Okay. Men are out doing the adventures and the expanding. Yeah. yeah. And women should be, you know, keeping the stability at home and sacrificing to that end 
And that's the inherent reality of the feminine. And while there's goodness in that and truth in that idea, and sometimes mm -hmm. that is in fact the most right, the, the way to be truest to yourself is to sacrifice expansion for a while. That if it's done out of a kind of rigid idea of what it is to be female or to be a good person, if it's done out of fear, well, then it will cost you and the relationship. Hmm. So for women who are at the starting line here, you said something about acceptance. Does that need to come before self-expansion? Well, no. Um, I think that there's a kind of paradox in acceptance. A lot of times the way I'm helping people to change is by telling them truthfully what is. That is what they're doing that's a problem, what mm -hmm. they're doing that's self-betraying, what they're doing that's betraying of another person. Because to see what is truthfully is often is exactly when it changes or what allows something to change. So there's that version of self-acceptance, like to acknowledge yeah. what is okay. and not be running from it. Because a lot of times, our that's why there's this often disconnect between clients' reality and what they report individually, is we're so good at telling ourselves self-justifying self narratives that allow a false stasis or a false security um, and so when we can speak truthfully to ourselves about what is, even though that hurts often, it's often uncomfortable, it often makes us feel bad mm -hmm. in a sense about ourselves, that that's often then what allows us to choose differently and to do something more in line with what we value or what we believe is good. And then that often, that process often drives a deeper truer self-acceptance. That is more ability to be at peace with yourself as an imperfect growing organism. That it is not my favorite that this is true about me, mm -hmm. but I acknowledge it's true and I want to do it differently. And even in that imperfect striving, there can be a real self-compassion that you are like everyone else a human being in development, doing it imperfectly, but not as a way to coddle oneself, but to care about oneself and still value that striving process. What a huge difference. I yeah. think a lot of how it's framed for us of acceptance is, it's kind of along the same lines as of self-love, you know, that you just mm -hmm. fully accept every part of you, mm -hmm. which also mm -hmm. underlies like this idea that you don't change Right. And I have feel like I have lived out what you've just described though, mm -hmm. of, you know, that first of a uh, level of acknowledging what is leading to a mm -hmm. deeper peace, but also acknowledgement of where you lack being able to work at things differently yes. because of that deeper form of acceptance. And that's yeah. probably where you like expand, right? That's right. It's like, you know, we, we have this fear. I think we've talked about this before on your podcast, but the sphere that if we accept, it means we're just going to like phone it in at that yeah. point. You know, we have to hate <laughs> our way into hate ourselves into a better way. And it just doesn't work. And I mean, any parent has probably seen that if they acknowledge the good, the effort, 
the ways their child is doing things well, like it motivates and it mobilizes towards something better still. So, and when we focus on what we get wrong in ourselves or in others, it, it kind of crushes the, the capacity to keep striving. So there is this ability, you know, I often talk about this idea that the truth sets us free. It quite literally, it hurts, Mm -hmm. but it literally frees us up to grow and grow in truthful ways in alignment with our highest selves. Well, I'm raising my hand. Like I, I I want Mm -hmm. more of that. Yeah. And for the other women listening who do, what does this look like? Like actually played out, you know, what, what's kind of a roadmap they can follow to prioritize self-expansion this year. I do this art of desire course, which is a sexual and self-development course for women. And, Mm -hmm. and in this creation of a more solid self. I talk about the liabilities of a reflected sense of self when you're needing to prove yourself to others. Sometimes we prove ourselves or attempt to by, well, there's a lot of ways, but one way women often do it is they self-sacrifice too much, right? They kind of back burner their dreams, back burner their desires. And, you know, doing that too much is really costly, like we've talked about. So when I'm thinking, talking to the women about how do you start to establish a self that you're more at peace with, a self that you are not so dependent on approval from others, um, that I focus on two areas. So the first area is a lot of what we've been talking about, which is addressing where you know you are compromising your integrity. And what I mean is like, you know, you're not being kind enough in your relationship, you know, you're not being fair, you know, you take too much, or you act too small, or, you know, you're, you're looking at areas in your life, where you're not living up to your higher values. And in my experience, mental well being has a lot to do with not living in a contradiction within ourselves because it costs us a lot. It costs us our peace. It pressures us to ask others to tell us something about ourselves that we don't believe and they don't believe, right? It it costs us so much more. I mean, it gives us in a sort of immediate drop from our anxieties, but it doesn't solve anything. And so going courageously towards those places that you know you lie to yourself or that you self-deceive or you ask others to give you a picture that you want, but you know, isn't quite true, that helps people tremendously. So that's why I have the courage that sometimes people say they think I have in speaking honestly with people, like in my room for two podcasts, I'm talking pretty honestly to people about what I see them doing. Because if people can see it, then they can do something about it. And in doing something about it, they free up their lives, they expand they feel better about themselves and about their relationship, but their partner and their kids or whoever else is in relationship with them also feels better about them, mm. right? Because they see a stronger, better self coming to the table. 
So there's that. So that's area number one, and it's a big area, but it's. And I want to interrupt you really quick yeah, about sure. that because one other thing that I have um, learned from you about mm. the way one of the hard truths we have to face or where we are complicit in our own martyrdom. Mm-hmm. And that one's like exactly. a whole other tricky layer to yes, unpack. I mean, it's not like it's blaming true. the victim, but no, that's yeah, really I hear you. So this is huge. like, you know, um, looking at our resentments is mm-hmm. often the entree into these questions. Like okay. there's something here that I'm upset about that I need to address that there, that I really am participating in something that isn't fair, that mm-hmm. isn't viable for me and that I need to stand up and address in my life, you know, a work situation, a relational situation, something going on with a child that I need to change this because my resentment is signaling to me that I'm compromising myself Mm -hmm. in an important way. Okay. Then there's the resentments that we love. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell me about those ones. (laughs) The ones that make us feel superior, the the ones where we roll our eyes and say, you know, people just, you know, are all selfish and thank goodness for me because, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually participate Mm -hmm. in this inflated over um, functioning role. Yeah. So there's this martyr energy that we can certainly participate in and actually set up our relationships to tell us that we are the better one rather than looking at our role in this supposed self-sacrifice that gives us this extra hit of, of being needed or superior. Mm-hmm. So looking at your resentments from that, like how much am I invested in this? And is I just need to grow up and stop, you know, being the over-functioning resentful one? Um, and or is there something here that I really need to address differently that I really am being taken advantage of and I need yeah. to step forward? So looking at our resentments is a big deal. Okay, we started with addressing the truth. Right? Yeah, so addressing the truth and mm-hmm. and living according to your higher self. So let's just start with that. I don't even like what okay. I'm doing. Like, what do I need to do to respect me? Because I, I don't have control over everybody else. I only have control over me. So that is an important alignment. Very, It's extremely important. I can't overstate it. It's just really important to be honest with ourselves. The second area, though, is what I sometimes call like this fulfilling the measure of our creation that as Mm -hmm. beings on this planet, we are all unique, which is remarkable in and of itself. And we have, we have unique gifts and capacities and interests and situations. And the thing that makes people the happiest, okay, is this expansion, but also knowing that you make a difference that you have a contribution to offer to the world. And if we don't, then our desire is to be destructive, okay? Because we like the feeling of efficacy. And oftentimes people who haven't grown and haven't grown into someone that they respect will find a sense of power in a destructive ethic, like that they are the, you know, they're criticizing people at the family party. They're like, you know, they're trying to look for a way to have an impact in a negative sense. So- this question of how do you have an impact in a positive sense is a lot of us have the idea that there is something we are supposed to do. And we want the security, going back to this, 
we want the idea that God has a plan for us. Yeah. The universe has it all laid out. We just have to figure out where the signs are about <laughs> where we're supposed to get onto this train. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's the wrong way of thinking. I get it because it's the fantasy of security while we expand, but that's not how it works. We have to have faith. Then my favorite interpretation of faith is to reach into the uncertainty mm-hmm. and tolerate the anxiety of the unknown, <laughs> right? It's like striving towards something that matters to you while you're not good at it, while, you know, you don't yet know, um, I'll tell this story and then we'll take it out if I decide it's too revealing (laughs) of of Christy. But but, uh, my assistant was, you know, home parenting. She felt like I have no skills. I have no abilities. I mean, I'm not sure that might be overstatement for how she felt, but I think she was not clear because she'd been home for so long that she had something to contribute, but this job opening became available. And she was like, wait, who am I? I don't have any skills. I can't do it, but I care so much about this work. I care so much about, and thank goodness, she (laughs) didn't listen to her fears. And she just said, I won't, I'll have a harder time forgiving myself for not trying. So I'm going to try. And she applied and she just was the right person, not because she had all these things nailed down, you Mm -hmm. know, she's done a ton of learning on the job, but that desire to contribute, it was a problem that mattered to her. It was a way of offering herself in the world in a way that spoke to her. Yeah. And so she wanted to grow in that way. And she's very clear, like she's ha- so much happier, not just in her life, but in her marriage that, you know, she's just happier in her own skin because she's found something that really matters to her, speaks to her and has expanded her world. And, you know, and it's the caring and then learning that often happens secondarily. It's not that you know it, therefore you go do it. So, you know, I listened to a podcast once, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something like 10,000 hours was, was what it was called It's a project, I guess. And one of the things he was saying, and I'm sorry, I can't think of the person's name right now, but he was talking about the fact that People are happiest in their careers when they are making a meaningful difference in a Mm -hmm. domain that matters to them. So when I was training to be a psychologist, we, you know, part of my degree was helping people with career decisions. And one of the big ways that we would do that is give people measures like the reassec and interest inventories that would help you see, oh, you, you tend to be more social and artistic, right. Or inquisitive, or you tend to be more realistic. And so that's, these things are helpful because they do give you an idea of where your natural interests and inclinations are, but it's not about just a perfect match between those two. That's a nice thing. The bigger factor is where do you feel that you're making a difference, right? And what's a problem that matters to you? That might be a problem on the home front. That might be a problem in your neighborhood. That might be a problem in the larger, in the whole world. Okay. Like the the size or the scope of your influence is not so significant as it is about understanding that what you do matters and Mm. that it's something that speaks to your heart. And so this, you know, idea of, I I love the body of Christ metaphor in Corinthians because it so speaks to the fact that we all have need of each other. 
that we all find ways to contribute. And sometimes we get caught up on the idea that I'm supposed to be the hand and here I'm like the fingernail and, <laughs> and, and, and we, we, we kind of, mm, how to say, dismiss our contributions rather than a kind of deeper acceptance of the larger project of caring about one another and working together, but striving to bring our best because we care about others and ourselves right? This is a way to love God, self, and other. Mm-hmm. Those are great connections. The thing I love about your um, assistant story is it wasn't like it was written in the stars, like Christy will be right. Jennifer's assistant. right? And that is her purpose, her one definable right. purpose. It was more about her leaning into contributing to something that mattered to her. Exactly. And if you would be willing to go with me on this track a bit. Sure for the women who are listening and they're like, that sounds really great, but I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where I find meaning. I don't know Mm -hmm. what speaks to my heart. Right. Well, it's good because there's so many people that do feel that way. And in part because, well, there's two reasons. Some people just are kind of born with a drive, you know, like my daughter at age two was like screaming, wanting to get her hands on a violin. Okay. (laughs) And she loves violin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she had a natural interest. She loved listening to classical music just as a little person. So there's those people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's most of the rest of of, Yeah. We think that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Right, That's the model. Exactly. We think that's how it is. And if you don't, if it's not hitting you over the head, well, then you have no talents. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I, once I was at a women's retreat and I'm trying to remember the the teacher asked this question, I thought it was so brilliant, but it's like, it was it's something like, what are the things that people admire and talk about in you that you think are like, what? Like, that's not a big mm-hmm. deal. Like everybody does that. You, that is to say that often the things that come naturally to us, we don't even understand them as gifts or mm-hmm. inclinations. And when people highlight them for us, we think they're wrong because that's just so easy but that's yeah. is it's easy for us. Okay. Yeah. And so, so what is the thing that, what, so that's one thing I would ask people to think about is what is something that others are often talking about that they value in what you do, that they see it as a gift, that they see it as making a difference. Hmm. The other thing is, are there things that you do that light you up? Even if you think they're dumb, yeah. they shouldn't light me up. Like they're, you know, whatever, it's just a weird thing that I like doing this, you know? but still they do. They speak to you. There's something about them. What are problems that speak to you that you think about a lot? Like you Mm -hmm. wish you could solve or make a difference in, right? And is there something you could do on that front? So it's just kind of looking at where are the places that your heart either lights up or you find yourself wishing there was a way you could solve something. I'm tying this into just my own path to podcasting. Mm -hmm. What I love about what you said so much is one, it's allowed to change. So I'm not going to likely be a podcaster the rest of my life until like Mm -hmm. 99 years old, if I'm Mm -hmm. able to live that long, Mm -hmm. that's not my purpose. But what I'm tying this into is it didn't start with me with people saying, oh, wow, you sure are good at interviewing people. Right. (laughs) That was never, never anything my entire life that came up. I don't even think people would describe me as a good listener before podcasting. It's like a special podcasting skill. I forget to apply outside of my, my work, but 
But yeah. what it was for me was just leaning into my interests, which yes. a lot of women don't even realize that's the path. That well, and I would imagine for you a problem you wanted to contribute to this yeah, perfection right. problem. It's one that you yeah. understood, you knew it in your own life, and you thought, I want to start conversations and help other women that struggle in the same way. So it was an interest, but also like a problem you cared about addressing. You're right. And that's a driver in figuring out how do I do a podcast? What microphone should I get? You know, I mean, like yes. all kinds of uncertainties <laughs> about it. Yeah. And, you know, how, how do I, well, you know, sometimes people have said most of us are just winging it. And that absolutely true. You know, <laughs> a lot of times people think, oh, they got it all figured out. Well, not really. There, I mean, there are people that are more skilled than you are on any front and you can consult with them and get input from them. But so much of what we do in life is winging it. We're just stepping in and learning on the job, learning as we go and caring enough about something to tolerate that process. And it is tolerance. It, you know, somebody once said, I'm sorry, I can't remember anybody who said any of these important things, but they said something like, um, you know, basically successful people have paradoxically a high tolerance for failure. Mm -hmm. That is, they're okay with winging it. They're okay with it flopping. They're okay with it not, I mean, they don't love it. I never love it. Okay. But yeah. it's like, but you can tolerate it and learn from it and try again and understand that's what it's all anyway for all of us is that's that process. And how you keep expanding through it. It's not yes. like you arrive even within That's a, right. if, even if there is a definable purpose, like right. violin for your daughter, right. she has right. to keep You never expanding. arrive. Right. Yeah. There's like, it's really the path itself that is really the life. Hmm. It's not, there are going to be peaks in that path. There's going to be moments where you think, wow, that was, I feel good about this, or I'm really glad that was an amazing, whatever mm -hmm. performance or accomplishment. And then, you know, as soon as that you get over the high of that moment, like literally moment of it, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're on to the next peak. What's the next challenge? What's the next endeavor? And so if we think it's an arrival, we'll struggle. If we think of it as an embracing a process, we mm -hmm. will be much happier. Mm -hmm. And that takes us back to the whole purpose of us talking today, because people are at the starting line mm -hmm. of what they think development looks like that they reach a certain metric yes. of success by the end of the year yes. or another date yes. or time. And this not only is a reframing, it's a rewiring yes. of what it looks like to grow and to develop. And yes. to me, it's so much more hope giving like yes. that. A lot of people could be, I, I would have been depressed by that earlier, like in my life being like, what? I never get there. Like, what's the point? Uh, right. Right. To me, it's much more hope giving now. Yeah. It is. And, and exactly. And it is an accrual of like feeling good about, you know, what you are creating, feeling good about what you are, where you are now compared to where you were five years ago. So there, there mm -hmm. is this sense of creating something or developing yeah. something, but we don't ever just go into full stasis arrival. It's just not what the human experience is. And so the other thing I would say about this is that <clears throat> a lot of times sort of in the similar idea that we want a plan that God has given us, or we want some surefire 
fail-proof plan that doesn't exist. We want the certainty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't? It's, yeah. it's, it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, what is really true is as we step forward, as we try things, we get a different vantage point. So mm-hmm. we've actually made it clearer, you know, what is true and what isn't true about us or what we desire or don't desire as we take steps into the dark. And so, for example, there was a woman who wrote me after she'd come to one of the Art of Desire um, retreats. And I give this exercise of, you know, how to discover your life purpose in five minutes or less. And this is like an Adam Leipzig. He was a, did a YouTube or a TED talk on this. And so he's basically, you know, what do you love to do? Who do you do these things for? Very kind of basic idea. Well, her responses were all, what do I do? Laundry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who do I do them for? You know, I clean up, uh, declutter the house. Who do I do it for? My kids, you know, mm-hmm. basically she said she went home and cried because yeah. she had this feeling of like, you know, my husband's life has been all about expansion and creating things. And I'm just home backing everybody else's endeavors up. Yeah. And I don't have any idea where to start. But she made a commitment to herself that she would stay open to invitations. Like she wrote down a few things that she loved. Um, and one of the things she wrote down that she loved was meditation. So a few weeks later, it was like she invited some friends over and just said she wanted to try and do a meditation with them. And again, she'd never done it before. It was just something that she liked and she wanted to do. And so she did it and they all loved it. And they said, Mm -hmm. that was so great. And then they said, well, you do another one. Well, then uh, a a doctor was one of the people that came to the second one. And he was writing a book and asked her if she would contribute to the book he was writing. Then she did it, you know, several times at our Art of Desire retreats would do meditations based on the content that I was teaching And women would say that was so helpful to me. That was made such a difference. So it really, it went from this, like, I have nothing. All my specialty in life is cleaning up after people to creating something that she continues to do now. She has a website and does lots of meditations and she's, you know, she's created something out of just this interest that she allowed herself to try. And some people might try meditation, for example, be in the same place and be like, oh, I didn't like that. Okay, that's not me. That's okay, too, because now you understand something about yourself. But you could say, you know what I do like, though, is I like teaching or, you know, or I like Mm. something else or I like exercise or I like, you know, so you sometimes in figuring out who you are not clarifies more who you are. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's definitely been my experience. Mm -hmm. So I... I just want to keep like asking you more and more questions, but I'm going to try to, to keep it to just a few left. And the one that I really want to hit on is just what I see perhaps as one of the biggest obstacles. We've talked about a lot of obstacles to self-expansion, including just ourselves getting in the, our own way of what we think mm-hmm. it's a good person is supposed to be. But one is that fear you brought up fear being something that can mm-hmm. hold us back to me. It's the fear of, if I expand myself, that's based on my own desires. And you, you mm-hmm. teach a lot about desires. How do we speak to the women who are afraid that they're going to go like full on hedonistic desire route, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just about them <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. and, and that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so it is a real concern because a lot of us grew up learning. You're either selfless or selfish. 
-hmm. it's one or the other. You either self-sacrifice or you're a hedonistic, selfish person who takes from everyone else. And it's like a, you know, it's a zero sum game. We are never going to use our gifts to trample other people and be okay. Meaning not only is it bad for our relationships, it's very bad for us. It's not opening up desires that's going to turn you into a hedonistic, selfish person. It's mm-hmm. self-justification. Usually it's a victimhood. Like it's time for me now. I've seen people do this where they suppressed everything resentfully. Then they, you know, hear an idea that I should listen to my desires. And then they are like, see ya. It's your <laughs> Yes, see ya. It's your fault that I was suppressed rather than recognizing their own participation in it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have a right to be selfish and to hurt you back. And it, they use it to kind of swing to another version of, of unhealthy mm-hmm. and hurt others in the process, including themselves. Because if you betray your relationships to pursue your desires, you will ultimately undermine you. You undermine yourself because we, again, we need to belong and grow. We need stability and security and growth. And so if you use your pursuit of growth to undermine your stability of your relationships, you will continue to not thrive. So I think that just you want to be careful that what you're doing isn't undermining your responsibilities to others, right? And so you don't want to betray those commitments because it will undermine your self-respect. At the same time, you don't want to say, well, I can't ask for anything from anyone. Therefore, I won't do it because that's a betrayal of yourself. It is good for others to support you in thriving. It's good for children to see the that value. It's good for a spouse to offer that because again, the goal is for all to thrive. And so sacrifice is often a part of relationships that you're going to put aside your desire to support another's but you also can receive it in return that it's about not using each other, but supporting each other in our respective growth paths. Thank you so much for speaking to that. I mean, because that was a huge fear of mine and it's a huge fear of a lot of the women I work with, even if they're just trying to create their do something list for the year. And and that's for the women who are like, I don't know what speaks to my heart and they need to just explore it. But even then we see them just stay on the sidelines because of that fear alone. Yeah. It really helps. Right. I just want to honor the expansion I, you know, I've seen in you and I guess seven years of, of being familiar with you and your work too. Your story started a lot of the way the women who are listening to this, you know, of, of being a primary caretaker and, 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 and being willing to sacrifice for that, but also being at a turning point. Yes. And knowing that it was time to expand in different ways and yeah. to have reciprocal sacrifice happening more within the family to support that. And not only do I see this expansion of your own development, which you've shared mm-hmm. in another podcast, how that, mm-hmm. that started with your own self-confidence even younger, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But mm-hmm. also right. expanding what you've been able to, to do for other people alongside it. And it, mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of hope. And it also, you know, gives me motivation to just keep yeah. in, staying in that process of, of expansion. Yeah. 
It it makes a difference. It just like to go back to the question of like, what about your relationships and what about the impact on others? But yes, what about the impact of not developing, you know, because mm. there is a way in which when you're living in a, something that matters to you, it does feed you, you know, it, it does, it does give back to you. And so it makes you more full of life, more at peace with yourself. And therefore, more at peace with others, you're more able to give, not because you need them to give back to you, not because you need them to reflect back something that you haven't addressed. You're freer, actually, to know and care about and invest in the people that matter most to you because you're not asking them to solve something for you. Mm -hmm. So this is like one of the kindest things you can do in your relationship is I don't mean you need to do something on the scale that, that I'm doing it currently or anything like that. I just mean that finding something that matters to you. I've, I've given this example in a couple of other podcasts, but my dad died about three years ago. My mom went through a year or two of grieving and then mm. made a decision to thrive again. I mean, it, again, it wasn't like a conscious decision. I'm going to thrive now, but sure. it was a kind of turning. And I had asked her, if she could drop something off at the UPS store for me, she walked in and right next to it was a dance studio. And she walked in and signed up for classes at age 89. Okay. Oh my gosh. And she came home. She's like, Jennifer, I don't know what I just did. I just, I, it's crazy. I signed up for only two so I can get out of it if I need to or whatever, but she <laughs> went and she never danced before. And she oh, went yeah, and she loved it. And then she signed up for more and more. She entered a competition in um, August and she like, you know, took first place in the 90 and up category. <laughs> this is so, so cool. <laughs> so anyway, it, you know, I don't actually know if she took first place. I'm just saying like there, were, there weren't many. <laughs> I don't know if there was anyone else in the, in the category, but she, but we just had a 90th party for her all came together yeah. over the Thanksgiving weekend to celebrate. Mm. And she danced for all of us. And it was, it was remarkable. Oh. But the thing that was so great about it is my mother deciding to keep thriving and to yeah. keep living well. It's a gift to all of us. It really is. It allows, yeah. it's a model for us that we get to, we can also thrive. It also means there's not like managing her because she won't manage herself or her own happiness, you know? Mm. And so that is tremendous. And we get to celebrate her being her. And it, it, anyway, the she's just, it's just amazing to watch her do it. We bless our, the lives of those around us when we mm -hmm. live well. Mm -hmm. And to just kind of bring this full circle too, is I, I feel like you described your mother's turning to that decision to thrive more, but it's also that turning is more of a returning. And that's yeah. the kind of paradox I see with self-expansion. It's less that you're like becoming a different person all the time. It's more yeah. like you're becoming yourself yes, more exactly and more right. deeply. That's exactly right. That's exactly it. It's so interesting because it is a paradox in a way. It's like you're expanding, but then you also feel more anchored in you. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on this chapter right now about spirituality and sexuality. And oftentimes people talk about their experiences in this way, spiritual transcendent experiences, really peak sexual experiences is in, in one sense, like this expansion, like stepping out of your way of being you, stepping outside of ego in a way, but in another way, most anchored into yourself. Hmm. Or like people talk about 
spiritual experiences is feeling significant and insignificant at the same time, like both mm -hmm. themselves, but sort of outside of themselves. So there is just something in that tension where we want and need both. And when we're often in these transcendent experiences, we feel both. Or when we're growing into something, we feel both. My mom's anxious. She's dancing for us. It's like, it's a way of being herself. She doesn't know. Yeah. And yet the way that she was beaming at the end of that dance says everything. It's like most herself, you know, expanding herself, stepping into a new way of being herself and most herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing about your mom and telling her yeah. cheering her on. I would love to yeah. see. Oh gosh. I'll <laughs> send, you, this. I'll send you a video. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> okay. Jennifer, you have a lot coming up this year. You said, where yeah. would you like people to go if they want to be in the know for what's to come and also what they can dig into right now? Sure. Well, just going to the website is a good idea. If you okay. finlaysonfife.com and you want to make sure you sign up for the email list, just because our things tend to sell out so fast that the only they chance- They really do. Yeah. They really yeah. do. Yeah. The only chance is if you're on the email list. Um, okay. So the other thing I would say is I started this podcast a little over a year ago called Room for Two, where I'm working with couples. So a lot of people know my principles and they know them from the online courses. This is just a good addition to the online courses and a good place to start as well, which is where you're seeing my feedback to couples that a lot of times people relate to. They're like, okay, that's us. We do that. And so hearing my yeah. feedback is a way of helping them see themselves in their relationship pattern. And so, so room for two is a, you can find it on the website, but that's a great starting place if you aren't familiar with any of my work yet. But the, also the other reason is if you subscribe to room for two, you get in ahead of the, the, um, just the regular oh, yes. email list. So we've have some events in the spring that they never even made it to the email list because in the room for two group, they, they sold out. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That was so it's, neat. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have lots, we have several live events that we'll be doing this year. So we'll be doing some couples retreats, women's retreats, a men's retreat. And so, yeah, that's all, those will all get announced Exciting. in the next few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll stay tuned for that then. And yeah. definitely go to the website and subscribe to room for two. And I would say it's like one heck of a deal. <laughs> Like if, <laughs> if you basically want to, I'm not in essence, get therapy or coaching, but in, yeah. in many ways, it's yes. Vicarious coaching. It definitely yeah. is. Yes. Then, uh -huh. then do that, especially if, you know, budget, but it's really tight. So, yeah. and I'm, I think you're probably booked out till, I don't know, the yeah. millennium. So yeah, that's okay. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Jennifer, this has been, dare I say one of my favorite chats we've ever had and we've oh, had yeah. quite a few. Yeah. So Thank yeah, you for we what you've we've grown me. together. That's what's yeah. so cool about it. I was listening to the the very first podcast we did together. Oh on my goodness! And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to redo I'm that, that about one. myself. We should redo that one sometime. We need to redo that uh, one because I, I know well, not, there's nothing wrong with that one actually. But I can just tell that you can I see have, the change I've developed since then. So I I can feel some of my anxiety when I'm answering some of the questions because I think. Oh, that's wasn't interesting. As, I'm as I'm more speaking to myself here. So <laughs> I was more like, oh boy, uh, let's do that one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah we've both yeah, grown. Anyway, so. yes, we have. So, so thank you. Anyway, yeah, thanks, thanks for so being much, here. Monica. Thank you.
I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I'll now share the progress pointers from this episode, and this is where I share the notes that I took so you do not have to, and those on my go-getter newsletter get them in a graphic form each Wednesday. And per usual with JFF, as I fondly call her to myself, <laughs> they are going to be really meaty, so you're going to want these. You can go to aboutprogress.com slash go-getter to sign up for the newsletter and get access. Number one. It's inherent in our nature as humans to want to expand just as much as we want stability. The two support each other, but self-expansion is often overlooked and undervalued, ironically at the expense of stability. Two, start by compassionately acknowledging the truth about where you are at and where you lack and make steps to move towards your higher self. Pay attention to your resentments. Three, Next, fulfill the measure of your creation. Embrace and prioritize development of your unique gifts, capacities, and interests in ways that also contribute to the world around you. Number four, reframe what progress looks like. The point is the process, as you'll never fully arrive. It's in the trying that we figure things out, including who we are. Start by being open to invitations. And number five, Self-expansion is one of the kindest things you can do for your relationships. It's also more of a returning and an anchoring back to yourself. Again, to get those into graphic form, subscribe to our Go Get Our Newsletter. If this is far after the fact of this airing, just email us after you subscribe and say, hey, any way I can get the graphic of the progress pointers from that JFF episode and we'll send it right to you. Your do something challenge from this episode, that means just one small way you can get started on what you learned today is to start with acknowledging the truth of where you are at right now. And that can be any area of your life. I would actually refine that to maybe a specific area, like where am I at with self-care? Where am I at with habits and supporting myself? Where am I at in my relationship with my spouse or my child or someone else that matters to me? So start with acknowledging the truth of where you are at in an area of your life. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work. 